In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. Hey everybody, this is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with today's episode of Southern Fried Soccer. I'm joined by Jason Longshore of 92.9 FM and Soccer Down Here. Hello, hello. Today, we are going to review Atlanta United's roster from the 2017 season, which ended last week with a penalty kick shootout loss to Columbus in the first round of the MLS playoffs. To give you all some context, we're simply going to go through by jersey number and talk about how we think they did this season. And then in a separate podcast, we're going to preview the roster for next season. So starting with number one, Brad Guzan. Uh, raised the level, and it, that's not a knock on Alec Can, who, who played very well in the first part of the season, but you saw with Gazan's quality what he brought to the table and why Carlos Bocanegra really prioritized him. Because you have to go back and remember, the deal for Sean Johnson was done, and it was already agreed upon. He was going to be Atlanta United's goalkeeper, but then Brad Gazan became available, and, and the front office prioritized it, went after him, and had to make some other moves happen to, to get it done, and then had to wait until the summer transfer window to get him in, but he was worth the wait. I would have liked to seen Alec, to be fair to him, uh, at the end of the season once the defense was kind of settled to see what sure. kind of numbers he could have because he did have a long shutout streak at the beginning of the season too. I'm, I'm curious what his future holds uh, in the upcoming years, but we're going to move ahead now to Tyrone Mears, who started the season at right fullback, lost his starting job after a poor performance in the first game at D.C. United. Um, it was supplanted by Tyrone Mears, I mean by uh, Anton Walks, came back, scored a big goal uh, in a draw at Philadelphia. Yeah, and that's, that's probably the moment for Mears this season because in the first half of the season, his veteran experience was a good fit in the early going, but as the season went on, I think you could see that he really didn't fit Tata Martino's system at right back. And it's surprising because the word on him coming in was he attacked more than he defended. And that was really the concern with him in Seattle. But for whatever reason, he seemed reluctant to keep pushing the ball forward. He always was looking to bring it back. And at times, the attack would stall down the right side with him. I think part of that reluctance, this is just a theory of mine, may have been concern about Viaba's inconsistency on defense. Could have been. Mears didn't want to get caught up field if he wasn't sure Viaba was going to track back. Um, that's not to say that that was a problem all season, but it was a problem in parts of the season. Let's go to the captain. Michael Parkhurst started almost every single game for Atlanta United. Only missed two. Uh, didn't start the playoff game. That was one of the two. Uh, but did come off the bench and had a what would have been a season-saving clearance off the line. Well, as as we talked about on match week, we, we learned that he was your MVP right. of the season. 
I thought Parker showed that he's not done yet, and right. that was the word coming out of Columbus. They replaced him with Jonathan Mensa, and I would say that Parkhurst had the better season. Oh, definitely. Than than Mensa, I think Parkhurst and Gonzalez Perez were a perfect match for one another as the two center backs, and. You know, you do have to wonder how long Parkhurst has and the knee injury late. He was a gamer. He battled in the playoff match, but you could tell he wasn't 100%. How well will he recover? And will he get back to where he was going into next year? When is time going to catch up to him is the question. He read the game so well yeah. this year. Um, you could make a case that he should be MLS starting 11 consideration. I don't think he'll finish uh, as one of the best in the MLS 11. Um, but he was named to the All-Star team right. for a reason uh, this season. He wasn't voted in by the fans. He was a manager selection. Um, so anyway, yeah, he'll, he should be back next season, I would imagine. Now, let's go to Greg Garza, who started many, many games at left fullback uh, before a couple of hamstring injuries in a two-week period sidelined him for what turned out to be the remainder of the season. You have to love Garza's spirit and his work rate. I think his, his attitude was infectious with this team. Um, when he went down initially, you know, there were a lot of questions as to how can he be replaced because he's such a vital part. And then you saw I think Chris McCann stepped in and did a great job at left back, and Mikey Ambrose played well at left back when, when he had the opportunity. I thought Garza was what we expected he would be coming in once he was finally healthy, but then the injury started again for him. And the only concern about do you you buy his contract on a permanent basis is that injury history. Right. We'll talk more about that in the next podcast. Uh, moving to number five, Leandro Gonzalez-Perez, a player that I knew absolutely nothing about before Atlanta United signed him other than what I could find online, but also should be considered for the MLS best 11 I think that's my MLS defender of the year and best 11 center back I thought LGP was you know such a stud for this team all season long both defending you look at defensive actions when you start digging into stats interceptions he led the league tackles blocks clearances he was one of the best on accurate long balls out of the back I thought Gonzalez Perez was, you know, a borderline MVP candidate for this team all season long. And you hate that his last memory of the 2017 season is that penalty. Right. You know, he, he didn't deserve to go out like that because he was so important to this team. We are going to skip number six, Miles Robinson, and talk about him a little bit in the next podcast on previewing next year's roster. And now we're going to get to number seven, who everyone should know, uh, Joseph Martinez. 19 goals this season. I was a little curious about him also based upon his scoring history in England and in Switzerland. Kind of a lot of goals in short periods and then no goals for a long time. Uh, and that uh, kind of proved the case again this season. Yeah, it did. Um, the thing about Martinez is when he's on, he's deadly in this league. And he, he opens up opportunities for others as well as as finishing you know, on the through ball. You know, we didn't see a lot of variety of goals from Joseph Martinez this season. It was it was a pretty consistent way that he was dangerous. Uh, we did see a couple headers here and there, and we saw a few different things. But for the most part, it was the through ball, and he relied on service, which a lot of forwards around the world do. I wonder at times as the season went on, you could see some frustration out of him when performances were not there, when service was not there. You know, there was a, a hashtag that I kept referencing um, late in the season, Almiron Dependencia, about how dependent he was on that through ball. Right. And, and you wonder, 
can he do it when he's not in this type of situation, in this type of system? I think there's still some questions. I, I think Joseph Martinez was critical for this team's success, and you saw them struggle without him this season. They became you know, a, a tougher team from the attacking perspective to score. But if the right offer came in for Martinez, it wouldn't shock me if he wasn't here either next year. That would shock me because goal-scoring strikers are very, very hard to find, and Atlanta United does have one. I think, well, I wonder, and we'll talk about this more, if you might see a little more two-striker next That's season to give point. someone to, to give him someone to play off of uh, because when you're surrounded by yourself up there uh, you know, and there's a box of four around you, you're not going to beat anybody. It's just too tough. And when you look back at some of his time with other teams, he actually flourished as a second striker. Okay. So I think at times when it was Martinez with Vishalba as a second striker, it didn't really mesh because I think Joseph works better making the secondary run. Right. So if it's Joseph and maybe Romario Williams, it's a different conversation. Yeah, that's a conversation for another day. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk quickly about number eight, Kevin Kratz, a reliable sub, reliable spot starter, good free kick taker. Um, I would think that he earned a spot, but we'll talk more about that. Yeah, I like Kratz a lot. Uh, versatile. He could play as the 6, the 8, the 10. Uh, he could play out wide at times, mm -hmm. too. Uh, good defensively, good in possession. I liked Kevin Kratz. I think he deserved actually more time as the season went on, and if not for Julian Gressel's emergence, I right. think he would have had it. Number 9, Kenwin Jones, will be very brief. Didn't get to play much. Only a couple of goals. Hurt, unfortunately, most of the season. Um just didn't really fit Martino's system. No, he looked good in spurts, mostly off the bench, late in games as he was playing with Trinidad, and he was starting to see some playing time, but never really found a rhythm with this team, and he was probably the biggest name signing before Tata Martino was announced, and showed that it just wasn't the right fit. Number 10, Miguel Almiron. Uh, fantastic season. Uh, a one-footed guy, but if you can't stop that one foot, then why does he need a second foot? Uh, unbelievably fast, great vision, a lot of assists. Goal scoring really, really kind of fell off the second half of the season. Um, so that's something I'm really curious to see if they work on next year. Yeah, and, and Almiron wasn't really a goal scorer coming in. And he played a different role here as more of a true 10 than he did with Lanús in Argentina and than he does with Paraguay. He's, he's always in more of a secondary role. They called him a flying eight coming out of Argentina. And, and that's how I would describe his play. It's uh, an attack-minded box-to-box player. And you could see a situation moving forward where if Atlanta can go get a true number 10, Almiron might be even better going forward if he's in more of a deep-lying role. Right. Yeah, that, that's another thing I'm curious about. If Martino will go from two defensive midfielders to one defensive midfielder and create a triangle up top of either two strikers, one attacking midfielder, or two attacking midfielders, one striker. Almiron's ability to read the game, if he is that mix guy who drops in to help the defensive midfielder but also jumps up to help the 10, right. he can make that work. Number 11, Yamil Assad. A uh, guy who was on loan this season, uh, didn't play like he was on loan. Uh, fantastic on defense. His defense is vastly underrated, I think. Uh, and on also great with assists, though not many you'd remember, but he had a ton of them. Yeah, great with the through ball. Um, really hard worker. I, I love the passion he brought to the team. Assad and Garza, you know, were the two that I think kind of the emotional spark plug of the team. 
And defensively, I completely agree. I think Assad really made the press work. He, he's not the fastest, but he's deceptively quick. Right. And I think Yamil Assad's probably the biggest question going into the offseason. Right. We're going to skip number 12, Bobby Boswell, number 13, Harrison Heath, and get to number 14, Carlos Carmona. Carmona was the linchpin of, of the defensive midfield. As as good as Lorenowitz was, and we'll get into that, I think Carmona showed a level that why Tata Martino and his front office went out to get him at the beginning of February as preseason was underway. You know, you go get him from Atalanta and you negotiate somehow to get him on a free transfer. That might actually be the front office move of the season. <laughs> he was that important. That's true. He, he, much like Parkhurst could read the game, Carmona could read the game so, so well. Um, just technically gifted, aggressive. He kind of learned how to harness that aggression toward the end of the season because it was a little bit out of control at the beginning of the season. His performances late in the playoff game, in the match with Toronto, in the two matches on the road at the end of the regular season. He got better as the season went on, and he was vital to the team's success. Number 15, Hector Viaba, whose first touch was either brick-like or feather-like. It just depended upon the situation. There was a moment in the Columbus game, the ball just clanged off his foot like he had an iron skillet for a cleat, and then like five seconds later he had the ball and was dancing around somebody. Um, Unbelievably fast, can shoot from 30, 40 meters, as he'll tell you. Um, and, and just a fantastic on offense. Needs to work on his defense, in my opinion. Tito Tito is is a great improv type of player. I mean, I guess he's the Wayne Brady of this team if we're <laughs> going to go there. Yeah, that first touch is, is a question mark at times, but he's so quick and he just reacts to things so well. And what I loved about Tito Vishalba is he, he always stepped up in the big moments. And the matches with Orlando, I think, are what will be remembered. But the two goals in Toronto, the two goals in Columbus, Mm -hmm. he was always there when something special was needed. And I thought his defense improved as the season went on. I think he showed a little bit more commitment to tracking back. And I think back to a few just lung-busting runs to to come back and cover late in the season. He's a player I would love to see them build around because he's at that level that I don't see Vishalba making a, a move to Europe. I don't know if he's at that level. Um, I don't see him moving back to South America. I mean, Mexico is always a possibility. Yeah, Mexico is, I can see him, you know, uh, Club America or someone like that trying to get him. But I could also see, you know, Atlanta United prioritizing yeah. him as well and, and Tito being one of the players you build around for the long term. Right. 16, Chris McCann, one of Atlanta United's first announced signings, turned out to be a very versatile guy and I kept saying it throughout the season when he wasn't getting playing time that I thought he would have an impact and he did as a left fullback of all places. Yeah, which we didn't expect. Uh, McCann at times looked a, a step slow in the midfield when he was in there, either as a six or an eight. You know, I think speed of play he struggled with because it was a different type of system. To be fair, though, when you're not playing a lot to True. step in, it's hard to get up to speed. Especially at the speed this team played at, right. too. You know, it, it, this team plays faster than anybody else we've seen in a long time. But at left back, he was a great fit. And I actually liked the difference that he brought from Garza in hitting an early cross. Exactly. His service yeah. from the left from the left was excellent and look back at those two short corners that set up chances for him at the top of the 18 that were both saved excellently the Zach Steffen save right in uh, the playoff game I thought McCann did enough to be considered to come back I thought he was a very important part of this team in the second half strikers like early crosses and McCann would always give the early cross that's something Garza wouldn't do a lot of Garza would always cut in and keep dribbling uh, or take it to the end line and try to 
put what kind of a low percentage cross in. But anyway, let's move on to Sam Jones' favorite player, number 18, Jeff Lorenowitz. Lorenowitz uh, was the biggest surprise. You know, I don't think anyone expected when that signing was announced that he would be as important as he, he proved to be. I hope when his career is done, and I don't think it's going to be done for another couple of years. I right. think he showed uh, just re- yeah, he was re- reinvented this year. I think. Yeah, absolutely. I think some people were thinking he was done last year in LA, and he showed that he has more time in him. I hope that he goes into coaching when his career is done because the way he reads the game and the way he adjusts his play throughout a match was incredibly important for this team. Number 19, Brandon Vasquez, really quickly, kind of a high-energy sub at the first half of the season, but then unfortunately sustained an injury, I'm assuming in training. We never quite found out when and didn't get to play again. I think he could be a valuable piece uh, in the coming seasons, Um, but I think much of his future may depend upon the expansion draft. I think Vasquez is back. I don't think he showed enough to go in an expansion draft situation. I think you have to wonder, is he a forward in this system or is he a winger? You know, he played on the right wing for Tata Martino, but his whole career had been up top. But up top, he's more of that Kenwin Jones type of forward. And does he fit in this system up top is the biggest question. I think Vasquez has a bright future somewhere. We are going to skip 20 Chris Goslin because he didn't get to play this season. And we'll talk more about him in the next podcast. 21 Mark Bloom. I'll just sum up really quickly. Had a couple of good performances early, a key performance at Montreal when he was put into a starting role. Suffered a back injury and really was never able to get back on the field consistently beyond that. 22, Michael Ambrose stepped in at left fullback when Garza and McCann got injured. Uh, Did enough, I think, to keep a roster spot. Um, 23, Alexander Tabakis, the team's first announced signing. uh, Had a few minutes of MLS action uh, in Minnesota when Kyle Rainish was given a red card. Unfortunately, had a couple of goals scored against him. I don't think he was at fault for either one. 24, Julian Gressel, who has got to be the rookie of the year in MLS this season. Yeah, I think he has to be. And, and Gressel was brought in because of his versatility and showed it. You know, he, he played as a 10. He played out wide. He grew into the role as the, the box-to-box midfielder, which was the biggest question mark I had. The only thing about Gressel to really focus on in the offseason is some loose passing in his defensive half. He had some very bad giveaways at times this season, but he also has the ability to hit that pass. Kind of the, I'm not comparing Gressel to, to David Beckham, but Beckham was known throughout his career as the, you know, the Hollywood pass. And Gressel could hit that pass that you absolutely did not expect. Right. And he was not afraid to try it. He just needs to pick his spots right. a little bit better on when to try it. I like that he also would take the 20, 25 yard shot and usually put yeah. it on frame, would force a save. I mean, I think that's huge for Martino's system because the defense knows we can't just pack it in. This guy will take a shot. My favorite Gressel moment this season. <laughs> I already know. Yeah, was when he chased down Josie Altador in the Toronto game and just put him on his butt. I turned to somebody and said, that's a metaphor for U.S. soccer versus German soccer if I ever seen one uh 25 alec can we've already discussed i hope that he's back next season but we'll talk more about that 26 anton walks on loan from tottenham hotspur uh club president darren eels old club came in and much like mirrors kind of got banged on a lot by the supporters early but i thought turned into a valuable valuable member of this team he was still taking criticism late in the year and i never understood it he was my man of the match in the toronto game 
Uh, I thought he was excellent in that one in a different system in the three-man back line. Uh, I thought Anton Walks improved consistently. You look at the numbers. His passing improved as the season went on. Uh, he scored a couple of goals. Yep. I thought Anton Walks did everything you could ask of him, and he's a player I would love to see back because I don't know what his future is at Tottenham. In yeah, the first I don't see game. where he's going to play for Spurs. I think his best place to develop is to come back here next year, and I'd love to see him back in a United jersey. Unless he thinks and Spurs thinks and a lower – Status first division Premier League club thinks that they can come. He can come in and right. help them out and go in the January transfer window. That would be it. If if that doesn't happen, he shouldn't go to the championship. He, he shouldn't go any further down the table than that. If that doesn't happen, he should be back here next season. We're going to skip Zach Lloyd, who unfortunately had to retire, who I thought was going to be a viable piece of the team. Andrew Wheeler Aminu, uh, we're going to skip. He didn't get to play. Jacob Peterson came off the bench, had a couple of goals, had the highest goal scoring per minute ratio of I think anyone in Major League Soccer. <laughs> curious about his future. Andrew Carlton we'll talk much more about in the next podcast. Kyle Rainish had the unfortunate red card. Romario Williams and Jeffrey Otu never played for Atlanta United this season and I'll be surprised if they do play but we'll talk more about that in the next podcast. Jason thanks for joining me. Yeah anytime. This is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal Constitution. Follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC. Follow me on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now and I hope you'll subscribe to this podcast on iTunes Southern Fried Soccer. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.